We are going to continue our healthy series this morning. Um, had the opportunity this week, or the last couple weeks, to do some investigative work. Um, specifically, I did it around the idea of the Titanic. We're all familiar with the Titanic, right? Uh, so on April 14th, 1912, that great ship, along with Leonardo DiCaprio, in the heart of the ocean, now we know Rose held onto the heart of the ocean, and she threw it in later, uh, sank on that April day, right? It sank on that April day. Uh, and in my rabbit trail uh, investigation into the Titanic, I came to find out like much of everything these days, there's conspiracy theories around the sinking of the Titanic, just like anything else that happens in this life, right? And so uh, I found out that I heard there's a big uh, conspiracy theory around that that was just a giant insurance claim. So that it actually wasn't even the Titanic that sank. It was actually the RMS Olympic. That boat was going to be decommissioned, and they thought they'll take the Olympic off, they'll throw the name Titanic on it, and they'll sink it purposely out there to get the insurance money. And on top of that, uh, that there was this, uh, this financial tycoon guy, J.P. Morgan, might sound familiar to you, that as part of that insurance scheme also had some of his biggest competitors on board and he funded the sinking of it so that also his buddies, uh, Jacob Astor, uh, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Gudenheim, uh, would also go down with the ship, which it ended up, they all did perish. And so that, that conspiracy theory was that the, the Titanic uh, stayed in port, and it, whatever, they hid that giant boat someplace. The Olympic is the one that went out and sunk all those uh, people, all to keep the Federal Reserve from coming true, right? I mean, it's believable. It was on History Channel, right? No. Um, and that is actually just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Family service, I gotta bring out the dad humor, right? Dad jokes. Um, no, the sinking, and, and I tell you what, that's not the only conspiracy theory that's out there around the Titanic. Um, but uh, I, I don't find that to be true. All the other conspiracy theories that I looked into, sure enough, there's a lot of claim. There's a lot of even people would call evidence for that to be the truth. But when it came down to it, when it came down to the deep, uh, the underneath the surface, get it? Anyways, underneath the surface, when it came down to all that, none of that was true. And that, in an essence, this morning is what I want to uh, talk about this morning. Uh, I want to talk about the Titanic, no, the heart of the ocean, or no, no. Uh, I, I actually want to use the analogy of the iceberg. The iceberg um, is, uh, is, is kind of some of what, for me, birthed this idea of what we're going to be talking about this morning, uh, the makeup of the iceberg. I'm going to do a book plug this morning. Uh, so this is a book... Uh, when I first read it, it didn't have an iceberg on it. This is, uh, you can leave the iceberg photo up there for a little while. Uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, this is a book by Pete Scazzaro. And uh, great book, an amazing book. Uh, really like, if you want to like 
flip your life upside down, like this is the book to read. If you don't want to, you just want to kind of keep going, level playing, not challenge yourself, don't have to read the book. Um, but uh, this book specifically talks about this idea of emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. And if you know, we've been in this series just now. This is a week two of uh, healthy for the holidays. And the idea is we all know we're going to consume a lot at Thanksgiving and Christmas. We also know that we're going to be around family and, and all these things. So we oftentimes want to get healthy, uh, maybe eat a little less heading into Thanksgiving so you can really go heavy on the stuffing, the canned cranberries, only canned cranberries, turkey, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so healthy for the holidays is, is the idea of spiritual health, for us to focus in on our uh, spiritual health. And, and Pete would say that uh, in order to be spiritually healthy, you have to be emotionally healthy. So you can't be spiritually healthy without having healthy emotions. Uh, in, in this, and so the focus for that for us this morning, uh, and this I, the idea of this book talks about uh, what's on the surface of our lives, and then what's down underneath the the surface in our lives. And in the idea of an iceberg, uh, based on even the picture that's up there, uh, the iceberg itself, the top of that iceberg is just a sliver of what is actually underneath the surface. And if you've watched Leo and Rose on Titanic, you know that it wasn't the top of the iceberg that sunk the ship. It was the, uh, the iceberg underneath that they hit that carved holes in it in, in themselves. But for us, mo most, much of our lives um, are focused on what is visible, right? We tend to focus on what we see and what is visible, what we hear, uh, what our, our lives portray, right? right? Even when it comes to our kids or our parenting, uh, our work environments, uh, our, 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 maybe you're in schooling or your kids are in schooling, like producing something, producing good grades and getting all the things that we need to get done. All the visible stuff in our lives is what we tend to spend the majority of our focus on. Because that's what the world tells us, right? The world tells us is what we, what we uh, produce in our lives is, what, our is what, our what weighs our value, right? What comes of what we work really hard to establish in our lives is what uh, our value comes from. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform, you probably all have heard this verse before, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And what we know the pattern of this world to be is actually the focused in on that uh, little bit that's visible in our lives. The tip of the iceberg, the 10%, the 20% that's above the surface. The world tells us what we see is most important, what's directly in front of us, what we achieve and obtain in our life is what we need to focus in on. But we actually know that God views it differently. God throughout Scripture tells us it's, what in, it's what's in the heart of man, what's underneath or what's behind the action, what's deep down inside that matters. It's a matter of the heart is what God would tell us. To allow ourselves to react in, 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 in viewing God that way, I feel it's hard for us, right? Viewing God in a way that, um, 
that we know that our actions aren't actually going to um, aren't actually going to uh, affect affect God loves for us affect God's love for us. That if we act out or act sideways or act crazy or whatever it may be, that actually that does not affect God's love for us. And it's hard for us to grasp that understanding of it. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Scripture tells us that what comes out of our heart is where our treasure is. Scripture tells us that where we can focus and tune our heart to, from that will flow God's truth and his desires for us. With this analogy of the, the iceberg, the visible part of that iceberg is only like 10 or 20% of what is seen. Right? That is the actions. And even us as a church Actually, not us like CTK Sudden Valley Church is in a whole. I hope, I mean, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I said we didn't struggle with this. But uh, the idea of the church struggling with actions based has been throughout the history of church from its beginning origin in Acts, right? Being focused in on even the actions and uh, I'm going to serve, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do good, I'm going to feed the hungry, I'm going to, you know, all these actions it, where we can tend to then focus on those actions, focus on the small percentage rather than allowing it to work uh, in our hearts and us understand truly what God is saying to us. And then I'd like to say the 80%, I, I call that the core, not the action, but the core of who we are how God's created us, what he desires for us, that's that 80% that's below the surface in this analogy of the iceberg. And for us, it's making sure we understand what's at the core or what's dwelling in us uh, when we are in Christ. When we've placed our faith and hope and trust in Christ, then what is at the core for us? And I believe there's two narratives. There's in a narrative for you kids. That's like story. That's like Vesper loves telling stories. A narrative is a story. And I think there's two narratives that play out in addressing that 80% of what's at the core in, in us. The first being what you have probably heard me say a lot, and you've probably heard a lot of people say a lot, is that uh, we are fallen and broken as man. Right? We are sinful from the beginning when Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit. From that time forward, we were born wretched or we were born sinful or we were born separate. Like, at our core, we are sinful. And you might even have heard it say we're evil or whatever it may be. But we are sinful man. And if you read the Bible, you can't get too far and not feel that. Genesis, page one, God created. Page two, he made man and woman. Page three, we messed it up. Like, we chose a different route that separated us from God. And if you know in scriptures, and we recently have talked about this, we know about the character Paul, who often says, uh, you know, that he is not a good man, and that he's, you know, he isn't worthy, and all these kind of things, which is a stance to have, uh, but uh, it, we, we see this in Romans 7. And so Romans 7, I'm going to read you some of this. And hopefully we're not too discouraged by it, but is this. 
Romans 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do, uh, I, I do not do what I want, but I do everything I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is, uh, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells, dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what, is, do what I want, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And so we see this clear picture of Paul where he says, man, I try to do what I should do, but I oftentimes don't. And the stuff that I uh, don't want to do, man, I usually kill it at that. I usually like am first to do that in my life. And if you look at verse 18 and 19, that says, for uh, I know that God, that good itself does not dwell in me, that it is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do, uh, for I do not the good I want to do, but the evil that I do, I want to do, and I keep on doing. So at the core, you've probably heard before that we are sinful in nature. Uh, we live in a broken world. I, I don't like that answer, but it is, it is a reality for us that we are sinful at nature. But the second side of the second narrative I want us to really grasp onto today is not that. Because, yes, at our core, children, we know we often get in trouble. And I put myself in that group because I often get in trouble. Um, but that isn't necessarily where I feel God wants us to focus not untruthful, but God wants us to focus maybe in a different area. Because also uh, there is good, if, for those that are in Christ, Christ dwells within us. Which then inherently is the good and the desires of God living in us. And oftentimes, for us, maybe, uh, you can relate to this, for us, we often can, uh, can fall into this idea of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, I've done bad things, I know at the core I'm evil, I'm sinful, I'm, I, I can't get anything right. Um, you know, we can feel that. But I think what we often do that counters that is not willing to look into our core because of that. Not willing to uh, take... Uh, you know, whatever it is that we're struggling with the action and look deep down at the core of what, at the foundation of what that is, we tend to be scared to dive in deep in there because we know that evil is in there. We know that there's sinful nature in there. But when we can actually dive down and look into the core of that, we will come to find out that there is also goodness that dwells in there. That when we invite Christ into our lives, there is actually joy and peace and, and, and comfort and all those things when we really dive down into the core. 
what we, what we can do is not, be not willing to look down deep inside of us for fear what, of what we might find out. But the truth of it is, when we can, when we do make that practice of looking down and really getting in touch with our emotions, we can come to find out that there is goodness and greatness for those that are in Christ, for those that have given their hearts over to him, that there is greatness that dwells in there that we can tap into as well. And so you'll hear me challenge you today to not stay at the surface, not stay at the surface of the focus of attention uh, of what's in front of us, and to not be afraid to dive into what's underneath the surface for us. Romans 7 also in 22 says, For my inner being, I delight in God's law. When we, when we really look at the truth of what God has for us, we can delight in what he desires for us to live, how he desires for us to live it out. And so I challenge us, as the kids are in the room this morning, I challenge us as parents, as even people who are influencers of children, uh, and you'll come to find out this church is very focused on family. We're focused on kids. We're focused on uh, multiple generations of people joining together, all having the same purpose and idea. But if you're like our household, and, and I can maybe even only speak to myself for myself this morning, is if maybe you're like me, I tend to focus at least with my children on what they've done wrong. And I'm quick to share with them the things that are annoying me and, and everything that they've done so far, and it's only 7.30 a.m., and, uh, and, and, and whatever it may be, you know, the video games or the, the being loud and disruptive or not listening or whatever it may be, uh, I tend to, I know, at least focus in on those things. And I think that is, can be played out truthful in most of our lives when it comes to a lot of things. But as hopefully you got a glimpse of this morning and <laughs> a feeble attempt to do that is there's opportunity for us in all of our relationships. Even in the areas where people have done something that they feel like, oh, I get in trouble for that often. There's truth at the core of those things that if we were to understand them, we would know God's goodness in our life. Parents, grandparents, people who have influence on anybody. How often are you reinforcing the makeup of the core of how God created your children, your friends, your coworkers, your uh, bosses, your neighbors? How often are you reinforcing how God has created them uniquely? How often are you reinforcing the truth of God's creation that is displayed by them? Kids, kids in the room this morning, how often, if ever, sorry, I don't want to shame my children, um, how often have you shared with an adult, a parent, a teacher, a grandparent, a friend, how often have you shared with them what you love about them? What you love about how God has created them in truth? For any of us, how often have we shared that with our peers? 
See, we can see each other in general as God sees us. And that's one of the, the, the for me at least, one of the things that God continues to work in my life. For me to be able to see everybody as he sees them. What can be said of us? Can it be said of us that we can be the people that view others through the eyes of our creator, of their creator in their lives? And my question for us this morning is, how often do we allow that 10 or 20% of what is on display, what is projected out, what is produced, how often does that 10 or 20% affect the way we treat and see other people? Immensely. We'd be lying if we said it differently. That that 10 or 20% is often the biggest impact for us to view anybody, a child, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, to view anybody in, in light of however they're acting. And I would question, do we have the ability to do it any other way? And we do. We do in Christ. Now, uh, if you were here last week, you know that I was this whole series. At one point, we're going to take a break, and we're going to do a practical application. As we're getting healthy for the holidays, uh, last week I shared about don't go to your holiday gatherings this year with all the answers. I said, don't head into Thanksgiving or Christmas like, I've got all the answers, and I'm going to solve Uncle Bob and Aunt Karen's problems, and I'm going to tell them the truth, and we're going to bring up uh, religion and scripture, and I'm going to just nail them, right? We can't go into our holidays that way and, and, and effectively love and listen and all that kind of stuff. So here's our holiday practical takeaway for this week. It is, don't let the actions... Don't let the 10 or 20% of the actions of your family members that you're going to gather with, this is going to be a tough one, I know. Don't let the actions of those family members ruin the celebration. Don't let the action of those, of your family members, don't let the actions of yourself, the 10 or 20% completely affect and take over your holiday season. If there is a year that the, those are going to be heightened to max level 11, past 10, it's probably this year. It's probably this year. If you feel comfortable to go to uh, Aunt Barb's for Thanksgiving this year, and, and the whole family's going to be there, probably this year more than any other year, people are going to act out based on beliefs and understandings and what they've been through the last 18, 19 months. So, Practical takeaway for this Thanksgiving and Christmas, don't allow the 10 or 20% visible actions completely derail your love and care for your family and the celebration and the, and the opportunity you have to be with them. All right, back into this. Does that work? Will you guys do that? We can all raise our hands in full agreement, sign contracts. Okay, I'm holding you to it. All right, uh, but here's the deal, church. We are on level ground. We are all on level ground. And I love that about our church. As you heard me say, uh, we are a church that, that multi-generational. Kids and uh, adults and, and, and empty nesters and uh, young families serving at all levels and in all areas of our church. 
We are a church that is often praying for and empowering each other to do the ministry. And I would love to reinforce what I haven't said in a while with the idea of God calls us to serve and to be an active part of the body of, church, of the church. And I would say that there is no barrier for anybody in this room to step up in that way, to serve and actively desire a servant relationship and be involved in this church. There's no barrier. In the, I mean, there's a spot for you uh, at any point and at any level and at any time we will get you plugged in and we will get you connected relationally with people because that's how important it is. All right. But here's the deal. We are a multi-generational church and I had the opportunity to sit with uh, a gentleman this week who shared with me uh, his idea of multi-generational church. A church that uh, is level on all grounds and, and, and what was said in that moment was that Man, I mean, we've got kids. Uh, we had some kids trial singing up here today, but we've got uh, a high schooler running the slides. We've got, uh, you know, kids downstairs in middle school that are helping out in the nursery. And I mean, like, we've got adult, you know, in all levels. We've got a, a guy wearing a skirt on our sound table right now. Oh, sorry, Jesse. I said I wasn't going to say that out loud. Um, no, uh, <laughs> it's a kilt. He's in a Halloween costume. All right, sorry. Man, I completely derailed this. Uh, but, but here's the deal with that. It's one thing to allow that to happen. And, and, and especially with our youth, it's one thing to be prayerful for the youth of our church. But I would desire, as there's a big group of middle schoolers and high schoolers in the back, there's some kids over here and there's some kids here, I would desire that our kids would learn from us, the church, to be interactive upward, and that our kids and each other, we would just be asking each other, how can I pray for you? It's one thing to have a friend running the sound or running the sound or running the computer, and it's another thing for there to be a relationship that flows both ways. And spiritual, being spiritually healthy within the church includes that, includes the opportunity for us to be prayerful into those that are around us, to be also prayerful upwards. As kids ask, how could I, Dad, how could I pray for you? Jesse, how could I pray for you? As Charles may train a kid on the ca cameras, that that interaction may work where then he says, Charles, man, how could I be praying for you? That, to me, is a picture of this spiritual health and emotional health within the church, that we would be one body. Pre-COVID, we, we had these uh, quarterly leader meetings. And I share that with you because we, I called them leader meetings. It was the leaders of leaders is what I called them. So uh, as people lead ministries and have volunteers underneath them, so volunteer leaders who have volunteer leaders underneath them, as they are leaders of leaders, I would invite them into a quarterly leader meeting. And we'll start those up soon. I'm really hopeful again to do that. But I would often start those meetings telling everybody in that room 
that it is my desire that everybody who ever would enter the barn would be in that room. That would be leaders of leaders. That would be uh, spiritually healthy enough that we would bring other people along with us, invite them and empower them into the ministry. And so as we move forward as a church, this being an invitation for you into that room, being leaders of leaders, that could be in your own household, that could be in your workspaces, that could be in your uh, neighborhoods, but that you would lead others as you are being led by Christ. And that being an invitation for each one of us. And that being the hope and the desire of our church. Uh, last week, if you were here, you know that I shared with you that uh, the network, the pastors and some other pastors on staff uh, came up with this spiritual health health self-assessment. Uh, it's online uh, at uh, ct, er, grow.ctk.church. You can jump online, do it online. You put your email in there. It doesn't come to me and nobody, it's anonymous, but it will send you your results. Or there's physical copies just in the back on the COVID PPE area with the hand sanitizer or back in the back in the right corner on our informational board. Uh, but uh, I don't want to shame anybody, but how many of you filled that out last week? Sweet. So me announcing it this week, because uh, I didn't see any hands go up. Uh, <laughs> spiritual health self-assessment. Take this. This is for you in an understanding of where you are at spiritually. And it's not a, like a one to ten, oh, I got a six, so I'm like a C minus. I mean, I lived in C minus land in high school. And so, and, and, and I did all right, you know? And so, uh, this is not that. This is a, hey, let's begin the track and working on what we need to work on. And so, you can take that online. You can take that in person. And then, this is a conversation guide. Uh, if you're comfortable enough with a friend, a family member, small group, uh, a spouse, uh, even a coworker inviting them into this, uh, this is a conversation guide around those things. So you could have some conversation around those areas of spiritual health. That was the assignment last week, and a lot of you failed on your homework. So uh, you get a chance. It's COVID. And what I've heard about COVID assignments is that you can turn them in at any time. So uh, turn them in at any time, but I encourage you to go take this spiritual health self-assessment. It's for you. Your uh, homework this week is this. Okay. Your homework this week is this. Take some time this week. Take some time this week to get away with God. To meet with God in a way where you look at maybe the areas of your life that you feel like you get in trouble for. That you feel like you're struggling with a little bit. Right? Take some time this week. Meet with God and say, God, what is the truth behind where I'm struggling. And, and this spiritual health self-assessment self will get you on that track if you don't know where you get in trouble. If you don't know where you get in trouble and you're married, just ask your wife. She knows. Um, but uh, that spiritual health, health self-assessment will help you get on that road of areas we need to work in. Because it's my desire, it's our desire to meet with God, find out not only, oh, I've failed again and I've fallen short and all that kind of stuff, 
but to actually find the truth that those of us that have placed our hope, faith, and trust in Jesus, the truth of what's underneath the surface and in our heart, what God wants to work on in our lives. Amen? Amen? All right. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. We're going to close with the last two songs. And what I would love for you to do this morning, what I would love for you to do this morning, as we close with these last two songs, as I've often said, sing out, praise to God, but also listen. Worship is not only singing words, it's interacting with God in a way that for some is the most intimate way. For others, it's a challenge. For others, it's like, if you're like me, you can't sing on beat or on cue, uh, but I do it anyways. And so I would ask that you worship in a way where we're seeking God and what he wants to say to us. Will you pray? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the focus in on uh, our core and what you desire for us, God. I thank you that uh, despite all the actions and ways that we have lived our lives, that your love for us never wavers. That we can't fall out of that love, Lord, but that you still pursue us. And so this morning, as we close with these last two songs, I would ask, God, that you, I would, I, would, I would pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts, Lord. That you would help us drown out the, uh, the actions, the, the focus that we may have in our lives, and that we would allow you to press into what is in at the core of what your desire is for each one of us. Lord, as we sing these last two songs, may they be prayers to you. May may they be truth that we lift up, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.